Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Embodied Mommy podcast, where I am here with my co-host for this entire season of the fourth trimester topic, Jamie Rose Gray. Hello, Jamie. Hello. I'm so excited for another one. Another one. And everybody's favorite topic, especially other moms who are in the season of motherhood that you and I are at, which are Two little ones still trying to figure this whole sleep thing out. (laughs) And we are here with our guest, um, Janet Yakabuchi, to which we are going to ask all the questions about sleep. (laughs) Janet is a postpartum doula and just a wonderful human being. And Janet, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. I am a uh, postpartum doula, a newborn care specialist in lactation counselor here in Rhode Island. Um, It was through my own experience that I created what the business is now called Well Nested Rhode Island. Um, This this business is catered to new families, mamas that are in the thick of it, and just trying to navigate this whole new life, especially newborn sleep. (laughs) Mm. Oh my God, yes. And I feel like That exactly is the type of support that every mom just dreams of. You're like a a fairy godmother that just like (laughs) comes into the house with all your tools and all of your knowledge and like, here, it's okay. This is how you do it, this and that. And do you know this magical woman stays overnight at people's houses so that they can rest and sleep and she takes care of the baby? Like, wow. I know. I feel like Mary Poppins most days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And you have so so much knowledge to share and also doing your, well, I guess we'll talk about all that stuff later, but okay. Coming back to sleep. So (laughs) Jamie, what was your experience with sleep as a new mom in the fourth trimester? I will answer that question, but first I'll let you know that this morning, Goldie woke up at 5 a.m. I said, excuse me, bitch, what? She was sleeping until 7 or 8. And the day I'm coming on here to talk about sleep, she's up at 5 a.m. I was like, (laughs) I'm starting off the call with that. But she's a good sleeper. What was my experience with sleep as a newborn? I... mm, That's that's like... That's a a pack question. Can you remember that? It was just chaos. You know, the first weeks are just chaos what I do remember and I feel like themes of today will be like how quickly things change how they can be in a rhythm for a couple weeks and it's then there's a completely new rhythm absolutely Um, and also the funny the funny things we get told like sleep when the baby sleeps and like that stuff what a joke it's like such a slap in the face so yeah I feel like um sleep is very important to me and my husband obviously like we're a couple that we really enjoy our sleep. And I think because I had a two week late child, I had a four, I was basically at 42 weeks when I gave birth to her. She was big. She was nine and nine, two. She was huge. She, and then she was well-fed. So she, so I'm very thankful that in our situation, we did get, you know, she was sleeping and we did get sleep, but you know, the newborn phase, it's like, okay, every couple hours. And then you're doing something, feeding, changing this and that. So um, still chaotic, not easy. I will never say that any, even up to a year now is easy. 
Um, but we did get sleep. And it was very different from the stories I heard from my friends who had five week born early babies. You know what I mean? Um, totally we're just different. really, yeah. So we're lucky. We did get sleep. She did sleep. She was a big, fat, happy baby. But still, it was challenging. It was confusing. It was exhausting. And even for, I, I feel like I'm a very strong, mentally prepared person. Mm-hmm. That nothing can prepare you from sleep deprivation. So, it's so true. It, like we had a, I, I don't know, we had a good but crazy experience, just like everyone else. Wow. Yeah, definitely. When they're losing that sleep in the beginning, it comes to a shock and to everybody. It's like sleep deprivation. I thought I was mentally prepared for this, but whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone could ever be prepared for the sleep deprivation or the mental um, and physical fatigue that comes along with the sleep deprivation. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why I'm bringing this back, but we've been talking about this, Alyssa, our pre-selves, you know, when you would have like a pull in all nighter in school or college or your partying days and you <laughs> yeah. pull that off and it came with lots of substances, let's say, right. That were keeping you up. <laughs> like you think you can handle that again. And like, yeah. I don't know, sober and like on a regular basis. No, yes. like <laughs> I think of like my younger self and I was like, oh, we used to stay out all night, maybe sleep two hours and then work a full day and like right. ready to go. Right. But forget, forget throwing kids and a new world. It's just, it's the mental exhaustion. I think that really gets to all of us. And I think too, Jamie, like you said, it's the, it's the repetition of it. It's not like one to two hours of lost sleep, but it's every single night. And I know I had thrown the question up in uh, the conscious parenting Facebook group with holistic tools. And I had asked to everybody in their, like in your fourth trimester, what was the biggest surprise? And a couple of people mentioned sleep, but one of them in particular said how surprised she was at how little sleep she was getting within those first few weeks home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, depends, too, on what the birth experience was. Like, for me, I was really lucky to where I had two, in in a sense, I had two scheduled C-sections. So I, you know, was able to kind of control how much rest I got before going in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I could sleep, you know, knowing I was going to wake up and that was going to happen. But, you know, again, I was able to, it wasn't like I was in labor for this amount of time or was awake for Mm -hmm. hours or days and pushing. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, so I was grateful not to have that, but even in the recovery and everything else, and, you know, just kind of like getting used to things. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so much. And you never really get that time to like, recuperate, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was even a little bit harder, I think with Charlie, with our second one, because now there was also Eddie, the older one to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. So before like my husband, Bill could help me out more with Eddie in terms of like sleeping, like when I was on maternity leave because of how his job was, he was able to let me sleep a little bit longer in the morning and bottle fed him that morning. Then I would just pump when he woke up and you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like, I think I was like, Oh my God, I had it so easy. I thought that was terrible. And isn't it funny how like (laughs) your perspective just changes based on what your experiences have been obviously. And then, you know, after Charlie, I was like, Oh man, it's kind of all on me. Like this is a bummer, you know? Yeah, it's definitely that shift going from one to two children. Also, it's like, all right, 
now I feel guilty about sleeping. That mom mm. guilt comes in. It's like, oh, I could use this time differently. To be playing with the older one or mm-hmm. playing, sharing your attention. And like, these are just all normal feelings um, mm. that moms try and navigate. It's like, okay, you know, I am tired. I am exhausted. I should be communicating this or maybe even telling my partner this. Um, but now, now that I do have two, it's like, I now have to help support him or take on a child we have to work as a team and your sleep Mm -hmm. I think even decreases even more um the more you add on kids obviously or if they're still waking up throughout the night Mm. (laughs) how many do you have do you have have three three kids three yeah Yeah. it is 12 eight and six and let me tell you they have been the (laughs) best teachers (laughs) um and have served me my strength on a platter (laughs) Um, they so were good. not, they weren't the best sleepers. And honestly, they, that's why I do sleep training now, but, um, all different experiences, like with my first, I was like, Oh my God, you know, it, it was more of a shock. It's like, he is not sleeping well, but what I thought was not sleeping well was actually right on track. It's just mm-hmm. so little in the beginning mm-hmm. that, um, it kind of felt like something was wrong. <laughs> And I think that was just being a new parent. Um, and then when I had Gwyneth, um, she just didn't like to sleep at all. She wanted to be cuddled, throw in some acid reflux and made the nighttime shifts a little bit harder. And it was just a different learning curve for me was not just her sleeping. It's how to make her sleep comfortably versus Mm. first. And then my littlest one, he kind of just slept everywhere. I don't know if it's the third child thing, mm. but we were, my oldest was in hockey at the time. We were traveling, we were in the car. Uh, he did a lot of sleep everywhere and kind of just was adaptable to where he was. So all different experiences, but I took a little bit from each experience and uh, definitely researched how to navigate sleep with other parents and other babies um, in this community. Yeah. Can I ask you, you brought up sleep scheduling, right? And just for our listeners, if this is the first time they're ever hearing about that, and I honestly, or would you say sleep training? I think this is like a concept that not everyone knows and talks about. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? So there's sleep conditioning, which I do more of sleep conditioning because that's early on. I work with a lot of families from the first night they come home from the hospital. So the sleep conditioning is when you bring home baby and you're establishing a sleep environment, like what's a healthy sleep environment for your baby? Um, How can you establish a daytime and nighttime routine to help develop their circadian rhythm, which is Mm -hmm. that being able to distinguish their daytime versus their nighttime. Um, So that's kind of like the sleep conditioning aspect. And when you um, involve sleep, I'm sorry, that's sleep conditioning. When you involve sleep training, that's more of like a rigid schedule where Mm -hmm. you're following what wake windows are, what Mm -hmm. an appropriate nap is, how many ounces they should be eating before Mm -hmm. a certain time period that will fill their belly enough to hold them overnight to have a proper amount of sleep. So um, I do do sleep training, which is kind of incorporating the conditioning, which is the sleep environment with the schedule 
and helping parents guide through, okay, you know, if you arrange this many feedings, this many naps, and so many wake windows, this might help you have more of success overnight, anytime mm-hmm. after 9 p.m. So that's kind of what sleep training is. Cool. I don't do the tryout method, but I don't either. This is a gentle way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Jamie, you asked about if I did that. So with with Eddie, I don't think we no, we definitely didn't. He was actually a really good sleeper at night. He never napped. So Mm. with him, it was about like he had to be in the stroller or in the car seat. We'd take him for a drive and then he'd stay asleep. We'd transfer him in and he would sleep for hours. Like it was, it was great, except that we had to do that. Like he would never, ever nap Mm -hmm. in his crib. But Charlie, funny enough, Charlie actually slept better. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Going back with Eddie, we did have to, we did do cry it out with him. Um, And it was immediate that that worked like literally like the first time that he just went. And I always said, I was like, it was not, not going to be more than, I think it was 20 minutes. Like we would put a timer on. And if by that time he was still like freaking out or crying or anything, like we would go in, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I definitely didn't know enough about helping. And this is, I think what we could probably use some tips today too, about is like how to help them learn how to self soothe. Because that was something that Eddie actually had taken a pacifier, which was really helpful because that did help him go to sleep after a bottle. But when that was done, it was kind of a whole nother situation. And he never really had the other things to kind of help comfort him. Mm -hmm. And then with Charlie, he actually slept better in the beginning. I don't know what happened after three months, but all he's not (laughs) been a good sleeper. Like I've texted you, Jan, right? How many times? Yeah, I was like, and it was hard because, and honestly, like, I have to admit, like, because I think I'm the type of person who's always fixing problems and that's just like who I am. I'm like, no, I can figure this out. I can do this mm-hmm. myself. I can do this. Like, and oh my God, the amount of, I can, I've learned now so much about baby sleep. I've, I've watched all the webinars. I've, you know, watched all the videos and, and talked to people and this and that. And, um, and I still think there's more to know because every child is just different. Mm-hmm. And I think to a degree, it's kind of like trial and error. But he has, even to this to this day, he's still getting up. Maybe like last night was actually a good night. And it was, I think, maybe in the fours. And then in the fives, he was up by like 5.30 or so. Mm-hmm. Sometime, but at least now he's kind of like staying in his crib a little bit longer, which is really mm-hmm. nice. But but with, with Charlie, I noticed that I had gotten in bad habits that I didn't with Eddie because of the second child thing. I was scared that he was going to wake his brother up. So I would go in there very quickly. I would go (laughs) right to nursing to sleep because I just, he would fall asleep nursing. And I just, that was the the easiest way. That was a really, really tough one to break because I wasn't really understanding at the time, the difference between eating for hunger and eating for comfort. And And he didn't really he didn't really go for the solids quite as intensely as Eddie did. Eddie was just my little eater. Like he just always had been a really, really good eater and eaten a ton. And I think that probably helped too with the sleeping. And Charlie, I think relied on the milk a little bit more, just did the milk a little bit more. Again, I think there were just more inconsistencies. I was spread so much more thin, you know, Mm -hmm. went into, you know, went into this just kind of in a different, a different way. So then but to kind of talk to also about the sleep deprivation and how 
crippling that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget about trying to get work done, but then actually trying not to like fall asleep at the wheel or stay yeah. in certain things. Like I was really starting to lose my mind. Like even my brother said something. He was like, whoa, he's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, seriously, it's not good. <laughs> I'm like, this is a bad thing right now. Like I am not <laughs> sleeping over and over and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's good again. Cause it's like, it'll be months of it, you know? Yeah. It's so taxing on your body when you're adding up hours and hours of lost sleep. I think it's like within the first 24 months of your baby's life, you accumulatively lose about six months of sleep. Whoa. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. Um, You know, there are different, like Alyssa, you were saying like, it's what worked at the time. Like nursing him to sleep is what worked. I think when it comes to babies waking up in the middle of the night, our first natural instinct is, oh, it's time for feeding right? Um, they must be hungry. That's why they're waking up. Um, in my mom, I host a mom group and I brought up newborn sleep this week. And I said, just because your baby's waking up in the middle of the night, doesn't necessarily mean to engage in a feeding. And they were like, wait, what? I don't (laughs) have to feed them every time. And I was like, so when they do wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes they just need that extra soothing to get back to sleep. Normally babies from say zero to three months old, their sleep cycles are different than ours. They naturally awake around 40 minutes to change from light sleep to deep sleep. And through that transition, yeah, there's like a gap of time where they can actually wake it looks like they wake up. Some babies have their eyes open. Some will squirm, grunt, lift their legs, and they're all over the place. And you naturally think in the middle of the night, okay, they're up. It's, it's time to start the feeding. They're hungry, but it's actually them communicating that they need a little bit of help going from that light sleep to that deep sleep. Wow. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean hungry. It might mean, Hey, I need a little help with soothing. Maybe I need the pacifier. Maybe I need a rub on the back or increasing the white noise, um, little things like that. But you really have to know those. I mean, I do this for a living. I know what the cries are and how different they are, um, and what they translate to. But I think as a parent, especially a first time parent is you hear a cry and you automatically think it's time I'm on, let's start the feeding. Mm-hmm. What, with what you just said, were you specifically talking the zero to three months with the grunting, the moving, the, that gap in time? Um, usually that gap of time, but also that can just be, you might have just a busy baby that <laughs> be squirming, grunting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looks like they're doing Pilates in the middle of the night. Um, some babies are just more active, but when it comes yeah. to that yeah. 40 minute sleep cycle, that's usually between zero to three months, like that sleep switch. What would you suggest for later on for a year? We all have dogs, so okay. (laughs) This is we don't edit this. We're like, let's live. He needs some sleep training, if anything. Let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What was the question again? So basically, what what would your advice be for the one year old that gets up in the middle of the night? You know, like a little bit later on. So a little bit later on, it's a whole new 
it's a whole new game, my friend. <laughs> um, right. It really depends on their daytime schedule. Like the one-year-old that still gets up might need a shift in nap time. Maybe they're sleeping too long dur- throughout their nap. Maybe they're having multiple naps a day where they need to transition to one or some, some babies give up napping before the age of one. It really depends. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, if they are napping, don't want it too close to bedtime. It, it starts to become mm-hmm. a whole structure within Yo. the day mm-hmm. um, that everybody needs to be on board of also. Like if grandma's watching the baby, they need to stick to the schedule. If daycare, yeah. you know, if your baby's in daycare, they need to stick to the same schedule. It needs to be repetition mm-hmm. um, that will overall lead to success at night. Mm. It's a little tricky at that point. I have to say two things. One, that I'm glad you brought the kind of wake time and wake routine up again, because as you were saying that the first time, that is actually the one thing that was, I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned was Mm -hmm. actually, instead of just focusing on that sleep and how to make that more sleep was actually focusing more on the wake time and making those routines more consistent because it's easier to control that. I think you have less control over what's happening at night, but you have more control over when you're offering food or playing or stimulating or whatever. And then I think also a big learning curve with both kids during this time was learning their cues and learning when they're tired and not pushing it, waiting, extending on purpose and actually listening to their cues and letting them go down at certain times, especially I think when you're putting that schedule together Mm-hmm. which can be really hard to do if you don't know what these things are. And if you're not present, if you're so, you know, if you're overtired and you're stressed and you're consumed with everything else happening in this crazy time of life, it's, it's hard to actually be there to focus on it. You may be completely missing the mark on all of it. How, what's a way that a mom can really kind of learn? Is there like, is it the same cry for every baby? No. Oh God. No. There's so many different cries, especially like how you were saying in the beginning, you were allowing him or the cry out method. Like say he was crying for 20 minutes, that 20 minute cry to like a a person who does sleep training might not be the cry out method. Like some babies just have more noises, some self soothe, Mm. some fall asleep between cries. Um, so it's not really a cry out method. They're just getting comfortable within their skin or just mm-hmm. being able to independently lay there and get used to their sleep environment. Those are skills that will definitely help in the long run. Um, and that adds up to good sleep. So if the earlier on you're doing these things, like putting baby in the bassinet with the white noise on in a swaddle, being able to lay comfortably on his back and then not being rocked to sleep or held to sleep or nursed to sleep, those are going to lead to positive outcomes. Your baby is most likely going to be able to transition to the crib or go down for naps a little bit easier easier and a little bit faster. If you're just doing these little, little techniques in the beginning. I'm listening to this going, wow, I didn't do any of this. Yeah. And if they're making noise too, if they're making noise too, while they are down, that doesn't necessarily mean pick them up. It's they're just trying to figure it out. They're trying to get comfortable. Think of, you know, yourself going down to bed. Do you just stay in one position and then knock out? Right. 
Right. I mean, depending on the day, maybe. Right. <laughs> but you usually get comfortable, right? You're moving around and it takes a little while to de-escalate de and get into yeah. the, the sleep pattern. So if you can do something like that, like establish your sleep environment, white noise and um, a, a comfortable swaddle and uh, what is it? White noise, swaddle, dim lighting, blackout mm. curtains. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it, that it, was it's, another it's one. Doable. It's so yeah. doable. And it will get better. What is your advice to parents with, like, I noticed Goldie's has now shifted because the sun has shifted. That's what I'm yes. chalking it up to. I'm like, and now we're going to bed later. I used to count on that 7 p.m. And now it's 8 yeah. p.m. I'm like, oh my God. Like even well, that 90 minutes that I would have to myself, you know what I mean? And it's gone. And then, but thankfully some of the morning she'll, she's a good sleep. She'll sleep for like 11 to 12 hours. Oh, um, good. But then like great. today, I'm like, yo, whoa. <laughs> Throwing you know the what I mean? balls. <laughs> and I'm like, well, the sun's up. The birds are going at 4 a.m., which I love birds. Oh my God. But the chorus is out and I'm like, oh, she, she's picking up on all this. What, what's your, oh, yeah. is, what, do you feel there's a big influence on that? And what would you suggest to parents? I mean, just for like the sun rising and things like that, I would say blackout curtains, definitely. You kind of just want to keep it as dim as possible. Keep that sleep environment going rather than mm -hmm. changing. Mm -hmm. um, white noise too, just to block out any type of activity that could be going inside the house, outside the house. Um, but those are really like the two main things that will, I guess keep her sleep environment solid and consistent mm -hmm. that you could do. Um, I'm trying to think of what else that I would kind of incorporate. Did you use blackout curtains, Alyssa? I did with Charlie because I had, I tried everything in the book. They're still blacked out mm. and mm -hmm. it's actually great. The noise machine we had the whole time, we never used that with Eddie. And the one other thing too that I wanted to come back to is because this is something that I resisted so much with honestly both of them. And this was like that thing that if I could go back and change anything, this is and probably save some of those six months of my life that probably I feel like with Charlie, I'm probably losing nine to 12 months of sleep by the time it's performance. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. And but so so I was very, very resistant to a schedule. I was very resistant to that structure because I was kind of stuck in the mindset of like, well, what if blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be one of those moms who just drops everything, comes home to nap the kid and stops what she's doing. I want to stay, you know, I want to, I don't want to, you know, Jamie knows I have, I have serious FOMO in any situation. So I, I must be there. <laughs> So, you know, so I, so I definitely resisted that a lot, obviously with the second one, it was a little bit harder anyway, because, you know, the older one was in the mix, but even so that was another thing that definitely has helped with Charlie's sleep that I wish that I did sooner. And that I feel like probably would have made a big difference with any two is just like really being consistent, but, but just like so many other moms, I'm sure that are listening to this. You know, my husband and I aren't even always on the same page with the sleep, you know, routine right. and the times and stuff like that. Sometimes I work at night, you know, which makes things a challenge. And also, 
daycare, daycare. Neither of my kids are daycare sleepers. Well, actually, Eddie is now that everybody when once he moved to the toddler room where everybody napped at the same time, mm-hmm. it was fine. But in the infant room and same with Charlie yesterday, he slept for 10 minutes, 10 right. minutes, you know. So and even though like they're really good, they'll do whatever I tell them, you know, OK, yeah. this is the time. This is the routine. This is whatever. But it's just a different environment. There's obviously so much stimulation and everything right. else. And they're my children. They also do not want to miss out on any of the fun. Alyssa, like you said too before, like being on a a daily schedule, honestly, it's not for everybody and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say to my moms, if you feel like you have to be in the house at this time every single day, and it becomes like this crazy routine where there's no enjoyment of it, it's affecting your mental health, then it's time to come up with a different, like schedule a little more freedom. You don't want to be confined to your house. Like Mm -hmm. you've been through that enough, especially the first few months of raising a baby. Um, and seriously, we just got out of a a pandemic. You need to get out of the house. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, But if it's affecting your mental health, um, at that point, you do what you got to do, you know? Um, you incorporate getting out of the house in that schedule. Even if you're, you're out and about and your child's taking a nap in the car seat, as long as it's safe and the baby's positioned. Okay. You got to give yourself some grace too. you know, allow that, that time for yourself. This just sparked the boundary thing again. I know we did a whole, our last call was hilarious and amazing and fiery about like expectations and boundaries, but I feel like it needs to be brought up here too in regards to if you do have a schedule and like setting up boundaries around that like we just had family stay with us and we're all excited to be together which is great but like yours Alyssa like she's not gonna nap anywhere in the house if we've got a house full of people that are gonna see her you know what I mean and then at nighttime and we're all and I'm like pacing back and forth at not like looking at the time going she's like we put her down 7 30 or 8 8 30 the latest by 9 30 I'm like y'all gotta go like yeah I gotta put her down you know what I mean she slept she had a two hour and 20 minute nap the day everyone left like after a weekend of it wow. you know what I mean and I'm like so it's just like boundaries but also we want to have fun and also I'm a grown-up and we want to see the grown-ups and we want to see family and we want to enjoy ourselves but oh boy are we gonna hurt from this type of yeah. thing you know do you have any advice there I mean that's that's a fully loaded one but uh oh god I mean <laughs> well boundaries <laughs> definitely comes into play with that one <laughs> um what I used to do when my kids were little and I when I was like okay I need to prioritize my peace and my sleep and I wanted to see family or go out I literally would set limits where it was like mm-hmm. okay if you want to come over it would be from this time to this time on a Saturday because I knew I didn't have work on Sunday. And if we had mm-hmm. an off night, Hey, it worked for us, but yeah. it was cut off times and it wasn't to hurt anyone's feelings. It was literally to save my sanity yeah. <laughs> where mm-hmm. I wasn't sleep deprived and I could still like enjoy my weekend and they weren't feeling the effects of it. Like, I think family that are friends. They always mean, well, they want to see your children. They want to stay over. They want to be a part of your life but they're staying over a little too late. It also affects the child. Like they're just totally off the next day when they're overly exhausted. Oh yeah. 
yeah, you see the tears and they get emotional. Mm -hmm. It's just, is it really worth it in the end? And that's kind of where boundaries come into play. Yeah. And I feel like mindset. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I just said cut off time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. And I think too, just kind of coming back to, to what you said about the following the peace in your mental health, like how, you know, because sometimes the, for the peace in the mental health, it's going to be stretching bedtime a little bit so that you can have fun with your friends or family or see whoever. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that is going to be saying no to those situations so that you can do whatever you can to get the rest that you need. So that is probably just going to vary from person to person, you know, every given day and every given moment. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how how much there is to all of this and like all the moving pieces. And I think like Jamie started with just that whole idea that everything changes so often, so frequently. It's so true. The more you establish, especially with like sleep specifically is the beginning it's unpredictable. Like, especially like if you're nursing and you're trying to get your supply in and they're cluster Mm. feeding, they can be up in very, very short increments of time. Um, or you need to wake them up every three to four hours. So that's, it's an unpredictable time. But as they get older, it becomes a little bit more predictable, a little bit more stable. Um, The feedings won't be every, you know, every three hours, they'll be able to stretch Mm -hmm. to every four to every five. And then by Mm -hmm. three months, hopefully they're sleeping every six, but Mm -hmm. there are better nights ahead. Um, But also resources that can help you and guide you through the middle of the night, through sleep, uh, through naps that do help a uh, sleep program that I, I swear by just because it's like the sleep basics is taking care of babies. I don't know if either of you heard of it. No, no. It, it basically um, teaches you what wake windows are. How long should your newborn be awake before they lose it and they're overtired? Mm. When should you um, wake them up after a nap? Like everybody says, don't wake a sleeping baby. Okay. That might work for them. But if mama wants sleep, past 9 PM, you might right. not want to have them sleep over two hours throughout a nap. Yeah. Um, but it teaches you the sleep basics. Um, and there's other good books out there. There's 12 hours of sleep by 12 weeks. There is uh, moms, a bunch of moms at the mom's group that I did that I came to present on mindfulness, your <laughs> group, a bunch yeah. of moms had been doing that one and were loving it, which is great. Weeks. Yeah. Is it for everybody? Absolutely not. I mean, you kind of have to navigate your baby, their needs. Like not everybody, mm-hmm. every baby is going to be straight out of a book. Like let's mm-hmm. just kind of clear the air with that. Just because one baby sleeping by 12 weeks, 12 hours by 12 weeks, doesn't necessarily mean your baby, baby can, they might have different needs when you incorporate like colic or acid reflux or, or breastfeeding you know, versus formula feeding. Yeah. Because of the frequency time. Yeah, absolutely. And the frequency time is different. Is, is mom supply? Um, mm. Is it developed? Is it fair? Right. Is it maturing? So there are all different factors. Um, I mean, you might, you don't want to have your baby sleep l- longer and then have to trade it for mastitis or a drop of your supply and things like that. So 
right. things go hand in hand. You have to really be mindful of yourself and the baby, what works best for you. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get the names of some of those books and put them in the show notes here for anybody that wants to learn more about those. Cause that, especially that first book you mentioned sounds so incredible just for some foundations, because that's what I think some of us need. And we go in with is just not enough of that kind of foundational, um, information. And Mm -hmm. also I think it's important to know, just kind of thinking back to, you know, the mom group and the book and the methods and this and that is I think that sleep much like feeding the child, like, you know, there's so much, I don't want to, I guess, controversy, you could say, I guess, strong opinions. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for about (laughs) feeding children, um, judgments, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. And I think this, the same thing is with sleep too, where Mm -hmm. it can be really easy to compare your child Mm -hmm. and your family's experience with other families out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and like feeling like, Oh my God, what's wrong with my kid? He's up every couple hours. This one's sleeping through the night. What's wrong with him? What am I doing wrong? What should I be doing? And then, and, and then kind of also dwelling on that and fixating on the fact that this one area is going so wrong and not feeling mm-hmm. so good and just kind of bringing love right now to those moms, you know, feeling yeah. that way and just know that even with all of us here on this podcast with between us, there's five, six children, one on the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and that's, that's six different unique experiences yeah. and sleep experiences and that there are, there is help and there is resources, but don't feel bad about yourself. You're not doing anything wrong. You're learning. (laughs) And I think that whatever we learn from these experiences are going to help us in the wrong run, long run, even if it is just resilience, figuring out how to actually like get through it. And then one thing that I really wanted to touch on for our listeners And maybe we can all contribute to this one too, but this is how does mom get the best rest and the best Mm -hmm. sleep possible possible? Because we've talked a lot about newborn sleep and infant sleep. And, you know, these are some of the things, or these are some of the places we can go to learn more about how to navigate that. But how about mom? Like, how does she get the most out of those slivers of windows of time to where she can actually rest Anything anybody wants to throw out there to start? Yeah. I think it's just prioritizing and planning. Um, I'm just a planner, I think naturally, but I think when I, I lay down the law with myself and say, Hey, Mm. there is a grace period within your day. Just go lay down. Like everything can wait. Mm. I have to make a mental note literally and say, this is how today is going to go. I'm going to lay down. My body is telling me to rest. Mm-hmm. And listening and actually doing something about it. Not every day, unfortunately, is going to be like that. But planning is a great way and asking for help. You have to ask for help. It's such a big part of your recovery. And that was actually really hard for me personally to say, I need help with this. I really mm-hmm. need to sleep. Um, or even asking my mom, can you come over and literally just hold the baby for two hours so I can get that rest because I'm running on fumes. It's being honest with yourself Mm. also, um, and allowing your guard to be down in asking for help, like ask family, come up with a schedule, ask your mom or your dad to come over like once or twice a week, you can look forward to that time or even 
like what I do is overnight care, look into your overnight care resources, see what other providers are in your area that you could hire for a faithful amount of weeks. So you can bank on that sleep. Oh, huge. It's such a game changer. Yeah. I would throw in too, like really listening to your body, listening to your instincts. I'm big on this practice and the idea that this, this tide will pass. I remember right at early, early weeks, early months on with the baby, I was just so exhausted. I could also lay down at 8 PM and like go to bed. Now that she's older, I started, I got into the space where I'm like, oh, I want some freedom at night. This is yeah. actually my, like, I was just so tired at the beginning where I was like, okay, she's going to bed. I'm like, okay, it's <laughs> eight, eight o'clock. All right. Bye. You know, like, yeah. I let myself go with it. I wasn't really putting myself up against like, but you're alone time and you're quiet time. I just let it rip. As she started to get older, I noticed I was going to bed a little bit later. Yeah. Also checking myself with that, like, don't let it go too far because then you're up with those crazy yeah. hours, you know, um, but just like allowing myself to have those times and listen to my instincts. Also, now that I'm pregnant again, I have to do what you just said. Now I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what? Jamie's got her at my husband's name. Jamie too. You know, he's like, he's got her in the other room. They're fine. I need to go lay down. And I remember talking to Alyssa about this. I can't actually ever nap past 20 minutes. It's like a 20 minute, 30 minute window. And Alyssa thankfully was like, no, that's a good, that's a good nap. Like you don't want to necessarily conk out for two hours in the middle of the day and mess up your rhythms. Right. So I, exactly. like, true. Jamie, go lay down, go fucking lay down. You're going to naturally wake up in 25 <laughs> minutes and you're going to get up and you're going to be fine. So just like allowing myself to have that time and even laying on the couch during crank o'clock with her. When she's cranky and I'm cranky and we're all cranky, I'm just laying down and watching some British baking show <laughs> and like not feeling okay. bad about it. Yeah. You know I mean? So that's where I'm at. Like just like listening to myself and not making myself feel bad about any of those decisions. It's so hard to do, isn't it? it is. Like that it really is. takes some practice to be like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit here when I have this mental list of things I should be doing. Yep. And listen to what my body needs. Takes a lot of practice to do that, but it's so necessary. It is so so necessary. Um, I want to go back to that asking for help (laughs) thing, right? How, how it's, it can be so challenging. And this was one of the things that came up for me in case any of our listeners too can resonate. So for me, my husband, you know, went back to working, let's think two weeks after with, Charlie. And again, because we also had Eddie, you know, our older one in the mix and everything, I felt still do feel guilty asking Bill for help with that sleep because he has to get up and work and he, you know, does manual Mm -hmm. labor and stuff and works crazy Mm -hmm. hours and this and that. So even though like I'm still worth it and I know like intellectually (laughs) that's crazy, you know, I, it's okay for me to ask for that help. I do mm-hmm. even today, even now, still, I still find myself, you know, meeting that little bit of resistance of like, well, he has to get up and do that. And honestly, yeah, he doesn't do very well on no little to no sleep, you know? So it's like yeah. well, it's that cranky guy or right. this cranky guy, you know, or whatever. Right. So it's like weighing those options. Um, 
And I want to come back to napping too, because yeah, like, like Jamie said, um, that for, for adults anyway, that 20 to 25 minutes is your sweet spot for a nap just because of your cycles of sleep during the day. Anyway, I know your sleep cycles do change and how you go into those does change at night with your, with your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So how do we, you know, or just, I kind of want to give some tips real quick. I love talking about sleep. I'm actually very passionate (laughs) about sleep. I'm just used (laughs) to talking about it with adults, not with (laughs) children which is where me Alyssa we just need to work with each other I'll work with your kids you can work with me because I'm not sleeping and your your kids aren't sleeping this is very true I know Um, I don't know why we haven't thought of this one sooner I know (laughs) yeah yeah so in making the most so how do we make the most of that time and I think coming back too to what Jan said about scheduling actually planning setting that intention that this is what I'm going to do it And obviously, you know, we can't talk about all of this without saying we need to check our expectations out the door, right? And we need to, we need to actually be realistic about what we're going to get done. Like weeks like this week, all right, this week, my family either ate, I cooked or the house is clean. They don't get both this week. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, that's what it's going to be and kind Mm -hmm. of being okay with that. So I think knowing that you're not going to be like burning through your to-do list the way that you normally would, life is different right now. You need to prioritize and make that sleep a priority because you're, you know, you're going to be able to put more energy towards other things anyway, when you give yourself that time to rest. Mm -hmm. So just like, I think we need to just follow a lot of the same advice that we're giving for our kids, right? Which is Mm -hmm. every day. How can we be consistent with it? Right. What are the little hacks? What's your sleep routine? Maybe you don't need to swaddle, be swaddled and have your diaper changed or depending on how far postpartum, maybe that is exactly what you need. But didn't know that one was coming out. But yeah, so, you know, so so whatever that is for you. So is that like, I'm a huge fan of sleep masks, Mm. earplugs. And I know some moms are a little hesitant with the earplugs, especially if there's not another adult in the home. But I or somebody in the house at the time, but I will tell you, and I don't know if this is just whatever my, I very, I do have very sensitive ears and I know that that is a thing once you have kids, all your senses are super heightened, Mm -hmm. especially in that initial time. But with my earplugs in, I don't hear my husband snoring next to me, but if my child makes a sound in the room next door, I can hear it. So for me, yeah, it it actually is freaky, it's freaky, but like, but it's true. I literally can, I have to wear earplugs because otherwise all I can hear is everything. So I'm very sensitive. And then, but they, but that really helps me. I could even tell you guys the earplugs because there's special earplugs that I really love. So if you need suggestions, I do. Yeah. I need all the tricks. Yes. (laughs) So sleep mask, earplugs. And then, and again, let's say, let's say this is a scenario when somebody else is watching the baby and you don't, you're trying to just like, cause that's very hard too. Sometimes when mom is downstairs with your baby, you're trying to get that little bit of rest that you're supposed to get, but all you can hear is her struggling or something right. like that's rough or even your husband right. or, who, or partner, or whoever, you know, just hearing that happen. So this is where, you know, again, noise machine, maybe you go into the baby's room or something, right? Noise yeah. machine earplugs, eye mask, dark shades, you know, um, essential oils. I'm a big fan of essential oils. to help get into that relaxed state Mm -hmm. a little bit quicker. All these things combined are going to be helpful. It's not going to be one little thing, just like with our baby sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so doing all these things, getting yourself in a comfortable environment, telling yourself right away, you're going to sleep, you know, setting that alarm for that 20, 25 minutes, 
Or depending on what's going on in your family's life at that time, maybe you do need that two to three hours of, you know, getting Mm -hmm. it in. And that's, that's okay too. But setting yourself up for that nap, you know, for as much success as possible Mm -hmm. is going to be really helpful in getting the most out of those tiny little windows. And like Jamie said, in the beginning, when there's so much going on, it's all right to go to bed at seven 30 or eight when the yeah. baby goes to bed, you know, you might want to spend time with your partner or your other kids if they're awake or, you know, do something for yourself, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's a time and a place. The, the fact is we need sleep to survive. Right. Like that's, that's the fact of the matter is we need sleep to survive. All of those other things are going to be there when you wake up. Yep. And Absolutely. also letting things shift, you know, if your partner time was at nighttime originally, well, now it might be over coffee at 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> While your newborns maybe still sleeping and having that morning thing, you know, it's like allowing things to shift, which I think is really hard for people to adjust yeah. to. Also, I would love to normalize this or just for any other of our listeners out there. My husband and I actually don't sleep in the same room together. And people are always like shocked when I bring this up. And, but I think I'm like, I love hearing from other people when they do this too, because it's such like a taboo thing. Like the relationship must not be blank, blank, (laughs) blank. If you don't. And I'm like, actually we're doing fucking great. Cause we're not sitting in the same room together. I'm like, gotta tell you, Lucy, Ricky beds, like maybe that would work, but you know what? I would still hear him. I would hear his snoring. He moves. He twitches and he likes to like rake his toenails up and down my leg while he's going to bed. I gotta tell you, these are the things that would drive me insane. And I'm really crazy and do, you know, psychic uh, journeying and traveling. And I get so hot at night that he cannot go near me. He can't touch my skin. So unless Mm -hmm. we had like a massive king, whatever those double California king, California king, like, I don't know if we'd be able to. So what we did was we put, we bought a single bed and put it in the baby's room, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant because we don't, we we took the rocking chair out of there. We don't have a bunch of excess toys in there. We put a bed in there and it is bedtime in there. So one of us, so we take turns every other night sleeping with her. We don't have monitors, sound ones or video ones at all because we're in there with her every night. So one person can get like a pretty decent sleep and the other person takes shifts doing whatever they need for her. That's all about to change when the second one comes, but we'll still be like separately co-sleeping with the babies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just like giving new ideas to other listeners out there, like don't feel ashamed about sleeping in separate rooms. Like I'm not letting societal views of how my relationship should look if we sleep in the same room or not. You know what I mean? We have him and I have different sleep schedules. So we really always came back to sleep matters for both of us. Sleep matters. So we got creative in our house. Hey, and it sounds like that's a beautiful balance too. I mean, those early months to years, you're in survival mode. You're just trying to sleep. You're navigating a space. You're communicating with your partner, your needs. Like, Hey, I can't sleep next to you. That's absolutely fine. Sleeping in the yeah. next room is going to do it. And we yeah. can take shifts. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If anything, like you said, society would be like, oh, you know, maybe the baby should be in the room by themselves or mm-hmm. you should be in your own room. You should have a camera set up. That's not for everybody yeah. either. No, it isn't. Um, those first few weeks too, you know, you're up every few hours. Um, so 
being close by to the baby, that's amazing too. You're already there. Right. You're halfway there. You can keep a good eye on them. It's no different yeah. than having the baby in your room. Yeah. I love, I love co-sleeping. I co-slept with yeah. her for eight months and we both, we both co-slept with her. Right. And yeah. then I like uh, with listening to your instincts, I remember just hearing over and over again, like, it's time to put her in the crib. It's time to put her in the crib. And I was like, who's telling me this right now? And I realized it was her. I think she was psychically letting me know it was time to shift her into that space. It was getting, she was moving too much and then it's not safe in a high bed. You know what I mean? I got lots of plants and lots of glass and I ain't changing up my room just yet. Uh, And I was like, oh my God, I think she's telling me this. And that's, and I also was preparing my womb space again for number two. Yeah. And needing that distance from her to open up space in my energy field for another to come through. So any of our psychic mamas out there or just um, empaths or emotionally tapped in people that can sense pick up on, I swear to God, you can communicate with your child without words. You know what I mean? And I really do believe they're letting you know and giving you information. And that's Mm -hmm. why we're having this podcast and bringing out these conversations to light and being like, yeah, there is a way to intuitively connect with your children mm-hmm. and open up. I think everyone has the right and the ability to open up that channel with them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that channel blows open as soon <laughs> yes. as the baby's born, like for sure, for sure. And I think the more, the more I opened up energetically between the two kids, that was that definitely hurt all those messages so much more clearly with Charlie, just because I think I'd already been. And because, you know, when I was pregnant with Charlie, I was already doing Reiki all day, every day, you know, right. so I was already connecting with him energetically in that way before he was even born and then kind of continued to have that open. And I think, again, that's one of those things where you don't kind of know really until you're in it yeah. sort of what that, what that feels like, what that looks like. And I think it just goes to show too the power and the impact of prioritizing your own self and your own self-care. Cause I don't know about you, Jamie, but if I'm sleep deprived and not doing my best or feeling my best, my channel's not open, yeah. definitely Agreed. not open. So I can't really connect with anybody or anything in that way when, unless I am in a more nourished state, Mm -hmm. which I get, it's easier said than done for sure. But without setting the intention to do so without Mm -hmm. actually committing to doing something differently, then nothing is really going to change. And you're just kind of a victim and waiting and waiting and waiting. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it is going to be a little bit of a waiting game to like, okay, there is going to be okay, maybe after that next growth spurt or that next yeah. or, or whatever, maybe then something will change or shift in a way that's going to help get out of this. Sometimes that mm-hmm. is what it is, but I think mm-hmm. also we can make a choice to find some kind of peace in the moment, no matter how hard things get. I really do believe that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to be different and look different for every person because mm-hmm. we're all up against our own unique challenges and situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. All the all the sleep talks. I know. I feel like we've talks. probably only even like 
hit the tip of the iceberg on this conversation too. Well, you know what always happens? Shaking our head, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) We're going to think of, like, this happens every episode we record. I think of all of these things, questions or things I wanted to say after the fact. So I'm sure other things will come up, which is why, you know, we definitely encourage communication with us. All of our contact information is in the show notes. We want to continue to hear from everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, about your experiences, what questions you have. And probably most importantly, sharing this, sharing this podcast and this information with other new or expecting moms who maybe need to hear some of this information and need to know that they are not the only one with Mm -hmm. a baby that is not sleeping at night. So many moms have been through this and there are resources and tips and tricks and just kind of give yourself that grace and be patient with yourself through that process. Yeah. And then I'll just kind of open it up too for any other, <laughs> any other thoughts arising for either of you two or, or any other questions, even Jamie. I think I just, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You're oh, back. Sorry. I was going to say, I think Alyssa, what you said is kind of just giving yourself grace and like you witnessed yourself being in mom group that day, there are a few moms who were just like, well, my baby's not sleeping through the night or what am I doing wrong? Everyone is so easy to kind of look within and be like, well, how am I contributing to this? Right. Um, And I guess my advice or to any mom listening would be your baby most likely is hitting their own developmental appropriate milestones. Not every baby is going to do the same thing. Um, There are a ton of factors that go into stable, healthy overnight sleep. If your baby is eating the proper amount of ounces, their schedule is healthy where they have appropriate wake windows and a nap that's long enough or short enough. And you've established a safe sleep environment with a sleep safe routine. You're nailing it. You're doing exactly what you should be doing. Um, if your friend's baby sleeping at through the night at six weeks versus your baby who might be even 12 weeks, please just give yourself grace and know better days are ahead better nights are ahead. There are resources out there to help you catch up on sleep that you may be losing. And it's a matter of time that your child will be sleeping like your friend's baby, but give yourself that grace. Mm -hmm. Um, I also just want to point out to everyone says, Oh, my baby's not sleeping through the night. They're not doing this. Technically they're any baby before three months of age, if they're sleeping anywhere from five to six hours straight, that is sleeping through the night and that's developmentally appropriate. So even if it's not the 12 hours, just be mindful that that's still a huge Mm -hmm. milestone for you and your little one. Yes. Oh, those are so good. Um, (laughs) I want to just add in to the end of this, as I think we do in many of these calls, like a overarching intention I have is to help shift the relationship between mothers from judgment to helpful, from judgment to supportive, you know, for us to empathize with each other. There is, I mean, you can look out into the world of like, you know, let's say online, goodness, like some of the most judgment comes from other mothers in situations. You know what I mean? 
I just want to help change that. It's so sad. And it's crazy how we are attacked on any level. If you have a point of view or opinion, whatever. But just we're shifting that. We're shifting that in these conversations. We're shifting that on a consciousness level on the planet and allowing everyone, you know, just the idea. Remember when we're working with people, because I study people, people are still themselves and they're going to share how they are. And when mothers are sharing, it can come off in a certain way. It's like, you're not just dealing with a mother, you're dealing with the personality behind it. And, you know, like, you know, it's just like a normal thing to get in a conversation with a circle of moms. They're like, oh, well, my kids, oh, well, my kids doing this. Well, my, it's not, that's not a judgment. You know, people are just sharing their experiences because they've found a space where they can share. Mm -hmm. And some people just don't know or see how they're coming off or it's, it's their personal way to share is to put it into first perspective that doesn't need to be a conflict or mm-hmm. a judgment. So I know I could go on and on about that topic, but just like reminding any listener here, this is it, you know, coming into these spaces in no judgment zones, not shaming anyone. And there really is like no right way. I think it's just going to help ease up the tension that's out there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really important point, Jamie. And I think, I think it's, even that kind of type of interaction where there's that type of like judgment and criticism maybe, or perceived Mm -hmm. criticism. I think it's just, it always is too, depending on those two different sides of the conversation. Right. And, you know, the mom who may feel attacked or victimized, you know, in a conversation like that could just be from their own confidence, low confidence that what they're doing is right or feel shame in one way or something like that. And I honestly think that that's what comes a lot with like the whole breastfeeding formula, blah, blah, blah conversation. You know, I think that, you know, for example, a mom who maybe wishes, wanted to breastfeed, but couldn't because of this or that might hear another mom talking about breastfeeding and feel victimized and feel attacked because that mom is talking about breastfeeding. And she may not be intending on putting any kind of judgment or anything. She's just talking about her experience, but the the other one may just feel so sensitive and raw from Mm -hmm. her own experience that can even, you know, pick up on that and perceive that because I know, you know, just kind of watching the trolls on the internet and these interactions. I mean, you guys probably see this too, right? Half the time, it's like such an obvious misunderstanding between what somebody says and how it's perceived. So I think that anytime any mom listening to this, whether it's about sleep or nursing or or any of Mm -hmm. your other decisions in life, you know, when you feel that victimization and that judgment and whatever, use it as a reflection, as an opportunity to say, wow, what sparked that in me to feel this way, you know, and, um, you know, and make a decision to be more curious about it rather than, um, you know, subjectively just kind of take that for maybe the worst possible situation. Right. Yeah, definitely like explore and try and pinpoint the response. Like, why did I have a response to Mm. that? Is there like emotions that I really haven't, you know, brought Mm. to the surface, the more you sit in things and really, you know, observe and feel the more likely you're going to have a response to it. Yes. So true. So true. Well, I love that we've gotten here from sleep training and talking and <laughs> deep conditioning. All deep. I know, but that's, that's, that's how it is with motherhood. We do, we go really, really yeah. deep and we go really, really high. Right. And we experience mm-hmm. such 
drastic highs and lows that it's just, it's insane. And this is why we just need each other. You know, we need community. We need as much help and support as we can possibly get. And with that, I want to ask you, Jan, how can people stay in touch with you for any of the local listeners around Rhode Island or, you know, even people who may be listening from other parts of the country or other countries? How can people be in touch with you? So I am, if you want to visit my website, my website is wellnestedri.com. I also have a few social media pages, um, Instagram for one, um, my account is wellnested. I do post primarily on there, um, with all the new and upcoming things, um, like my mom group, I'm running a mom group. I do post all the openings, um, on Instagram and Facebook along with, um, the mama blog. I, Alyssa, I know you've, you've tapped into it a few times, but, um, I started a mama blog specifically for moms to share, um, their personal stories. Um, it's such an empowering blog of struggles and the choice to keep on going and the, the professional resources that they've included a part of their postpartum recovery and experience to get to a happy place in a confident place. Um, so I do share a lot of, the, uh, the mama blog on my website and on Instagram. Um, but anyone can feel free to reach out with any questions they have on any of those outlets or even just email me. Thank you so much. And if somebody were interested in hiring a doula in the, <laughs> with the overnight care that you do, I mean, I know you have a wait list for days, possibly years to come. People are probably planning their children around. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Yeah. So let's say somebody is maybe not even around here. How would somebody even find Mm -hmm. about finding that kind of care? So there are multiple um, outlets specifically, you know, there is one, the Flourish Fund, which is amazing. Um, They have a list of doulas. You can actually register for a doula. The price is definitely different for each provider. So that's something that's a good starting point, I would say, is look up your providers. Um, There's also Doulas of Rhode Island, which is an an amazing group also. Um, And you can look up birth providers and postpartum providers. I guess my biggest suggestion would be to the way everyone's booking out is start looking into this as soon as you find out you're pregnant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's going to become more and more popular, I guess, or just mandatory. I think, Mm -hmm. I think everyone should have a doula should have a postpartum team or newborn care set up for themselves. Um, And thankfully here in Rhode Island right now with the insurance and everything that's to come this summer, um, covering some of the costs, I feel like it's going to be even more in demand. So Mm. look up your providers on the internet, really start to network, go to, you know, hopefully we'll have more, um, birthing events and things like this, where you can meet these local providers in person, um, but see what's going on in your community and join Facebook groups also. Mm, Good point. Good point. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Jamie, normally you turn this over to me, so I'll turn over to you first. 
Jamie, is there anything, you know, from what we've talked about today too, anything that you want to offer that can help with these new moms at this time? Not for sleep. (laughs) But as always, I love helping, like what I spoke about earlier, opening up the channel between you and your child, opening up your abilities to receive messages on a psychic level. I love helping people with that. So like the energetic spiritual aspect of it. Yeah. Come find me. Yes. What about, what about you? What are you thinking? Yeah. So you know what I have not stopped thinking about is the Reiki (laughs) like a mother program, because this is literally one of those things where I think most of the things that we talked about today, where having access to be able to give Reiki to yourself and your child helps so much. It helps Mm -hmm. with the, the being able to actually tap into your parasympathetic nervous system and be able to relax in a deeper way than you can otherwise. Cause again, those little moments before you go take that nap, tap into Reiki, that will actually help to relax you in a deeper way. You can, it can help relax your children, you know, to help them with going to sleep or anything else kind of happening in that way. And it does also help to strengthen the connection energetically between you and your child. So I would say the Reiki Like a Mother program is going to be the biggest. Um, Within that program is when you learn how to do Reiki for Mm -hmm. yourself and your family. And we talk about a bunch of different other aspects of self-care, like mindfulness and, um, you know, boundaries and and heart-centered opening and things like that, that, you know, are very important on the energetic level. And then if you were, if you just kind of need one session, I do have nighttime slots available specifically for sleep. So mm. if anybody is really struggling and not able to get to sleep or, or relax in any way, um, then that is, that is an option as well. But I say, learn the tool yourself. So you have it. Once you have it, you always mm. have it. And yeah. it's one of those things I just recommend to every mom, no matter what stage of life. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you all for being here for another wonderful episode. Thank you for everybody listening and being a part of this, you know, adventure and for being here and, you know, supporting yourselves, supporting your family in any way possible. And again, reach out to any of us with any questions, any topics you want to see covered, or if you just want to be seen and heard in your experience, I definitely recommend, and we're certainly going to put a link in the notes about Uh, the mama blog, because I think that is just really so many people can resonate, you know, with those stories and thank you all. And until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.